When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of Friends From Work, a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's hosted by me, Kyle Sconowill, and my friend, Robbie Earl. Emergency press conference, emergency podcast, Friday emergency podcast, late day, we have a treat for you. As you can see in the title of this podcast, we talked to Kate Heron, the director of Loki. I think yeah, that's worthy did. of an emergency podcast, right? Oh man, what a dream! Emergency, we emergency. Yes, please listen to this. Well, you're already listening to this, so we can't have you listen to it any faster. Uh, I do that all the time, by the way. I'm like, <laughs> make sure you listen to this. I'm like, wait. <laughs> we this has been a dream of ours since. Well, I mean, obviously since the show was announced, but we we're so blown away by how much even in that initial press conference, everyone kept bringing everything back to Kate and how she's just been such the creative powerhouse at the heart of this entire show that we have really, really been hoping for the chance to speak with her. And the fact that we get to do it days before the finale is such a treat. And she was so much fun to talk to. She was so much fun. I need to take a quick second and say, seriously, special thanks to Disney for yes. hooking us up with all these interviews and working with us and being so kind and gracious to us and special thanks to our guests for jumping on and having such good attitudes and special thanks to their teams too. Cause yes, everyone on absolutely. all these guest teams have been so friendly to us and you know, they're slammed and they're, yeah, they're so busy and they've still taken time. They've been gracious. It's been top notch. Also, Robbie, I got a chance to go watch Black Widow again last night with nice. my wife in the theater. As you can tell, I'm, I'm pretty excited. <laughs> I love I mean, that this is like a musical episode now. I know you can't stop it. Um, do you ever think we'll have a week like we just had again? I mean, not 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 that the quality is going to go down, but I just wonder right. with Black Widow and Loki and then the director, the writer and the composer all jumping in on interviews. Man, I, I mean, plus a comic writer. I it's just crazy. It's crazy. I went on vacation this week, everybody. And here I am <laughs> doing an episode every single day for my parents house. So that's my gift to you. OK, I'm trying my absolute best. I I really I have mixed feelings because on the one hand, uh, I I hope that we have more weeks like this because it's been so fun. On the other hand, uh, it might kill us. So <laughs> we might actually die. <laughs> it's it's uh, kind of like I'm sitting here having so much fun talking to you, but I'm looking out this window to this beautiful sunny day, like watching people in the swimming pool like that. Who can say? <laughs> like, it's time for you to go outside, Kyle, and do something. OK, well, before we get into this incredible interview with Kate, uh, a couple things that I feel like we should address as we're talking about the craziness of the week. 
like you just said, you went and saw Black Widow in theaters because Black Widow is out in theaters and on Disney Plus. Uh, right. We are so excited. Uh, if you haven't yet, we have a, a non-spoiler review of Black Widow that we put out uh, a couple weeks ago uh, or a week ago or this week. It was this week. See, that's what's insane. Holy it was cow. Monday. But yes, I know. That's wild. Uh, and uh, we we loved it. We had a ton of fun. We are going to have a fuller review of the film this next Monday. So be on the lookout for that uh, as we kind of come into the, the final bit of this Black Widow, Loki hybrid uh, craziness. No doubt. And I just want to quick add, my wife and I used the Adam Tickets app to buy our tickets and we saved $2. So, I mean, go do yeah. it. Adam There's just tickets. no reason your, not to do it. No, it's unbelievable. Just save your $2 and go watch the movie and have a blast. Um, also, Robbie, I texted you like, if this week couldn't get any more crazy, of course, what happens? It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Every time we do what's new in the MCU, Marvel releases a trailer or some yep. massive news the night of that we don't get to catch. So the yep. what if trailer came out like hours after we put out the what's new in the MCU on last episode. So still go <laughs> listen to that. Cause we talked about some other stuff, but I mean, what the heck at this point, I think you guys should all hope we keep doing what's new in the MCU so that you get more stuff. You'll get it. The second we talk about <laughs> There's it. There's a clear so, causal you know what? relationship. We're going to talk about it now and you know what's going to happen, right? Spider-Man's coming over the weekend. <laughs> guaranteed. Man, I that yeah, that's the one everyone's looking for. And it's funny because it, that's the one people have been looking for for a bit now. And Marvel keeps throwing other other trailers out because uh, they know the power that they have over us. But yeah, at yesterday, the trailer for What If dropped. Um, it's like a pretty long, like a two minute trailer. Uh, and the release date of that series dropped. So we now know that What If will be coming to Disney Plus on August 11th. It'll be the first animated series by Marvel Studios, and it will feature not all, but a lot of the talent from the MCU. Um, most notably, like we've talked about before, um, Chadwick Boseman had the opportunity to record some parts for this version of T'Challa, so that Insane. will actually be be the last time that we hear Chadwick as T'Challa, which I know will be a really bittersweet moment for a lot of folks. I think everyone voiced their character except RDJ, correct? I th and Chris, I think I, I saw that RDJ didn't return, Chris Evans didn't return, I think Brie Larson, and then I, I want to say there was one more. Oh, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, I actually think, didn't, didn't show up, which was surprising to me because in the trailer... Um, there are just a few moments where I heard the person portraying Dr. Strange and I would have thought that that was him. Uh, yeah. Tony Stark clearly when you hear is not Robert Downey Jr. Although I don't blame that guy cause it's hard to, to really Follow. capture the RDJ energy like that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean like, I think it's going to, it looks, it looks really crazy. I think it's going to be a fun thing. It's going to be like a, a palate cleanser. Um, but also they could it's sort of like what we were talking about with episode five of Loki, where they could just kind of do whatever they wanted. So they threw all this kind of crazy stuff in. And I feel like that's what this entire show is going to be in almost any kind of fandom. Expectations matters so much. Right. That's what I'm realizing as I get older. If you're a sports fan, 
and you're expecting your team to be five and 11 and they end up going 500, eight and eight, you feel awesome because Hmm. you've won way more games than you thought. And the opposite is true. If you were like, Hey, we're coming off the NFC championship game and we're 12 and four. And the next year you go 10 and six, even though 10 and six is a good record, it feels like a letdown because you didn't make it as far as last year. And right. I'm going to talk a lot more about this when it comes to the black widow episode on Monday, mm-hmm. because I really think it matters how you go into the theater and what you're expecting. Mm-hmm. Just like we've talked about before, when we went into Endgame, we were expecting like, this is going to have to be about the best movie in the MCU, or it's going to feel like a letdown because of the nature of the film. Right. And right. it met those expectations, maybe not at first. And so even if it felt like the third best movie for a split second, I was like, oh, is that a letdown? <laughs> even though you're right, saying right, right. the third best movie, you know, and yeah, out of 22. I say that all I say that all to say I am so lukewarm on what if like I have no expectations for this show. I know it's mm-hmm. not technically canon. It's animated, which is not typically my scene. I know there's some people out there that probably are super into Bad Batch and stuff like that and love these animated shows and Clone mm-hmm. Wars and whatnot. Um, that is not my scene, but maybe it's because my expectations were so low. I love the trailer. I don't Hmm. know. The trailer was fun for me. I actually got chills a couple times. So I have no idea really at this point what to expect on August 11. I don't know what it means for you and I, we're going to cover it. Obviously we're going to talk about it. I think I'll probably end up liking it more because my expectations are so low. Yeah. You know, it's going to be interesting to see. I know we talk about it not being canon necessarily, but I'm I'm curious as we're entering more and more of this multiverse era of the MCU, uh, if it is going to link in on some level. Like I I don't I don't think in a way where we're going to see you know animated versions of characters show up in movies or something, but you know there's been some speculation that there could be an into the Spider-Verse tie-in to like Spider-Man three. Cause it's all Sony. And to the extent that they're bringing in Andrew Garfield to a McGuire, they can maybe be doing something weird there. I I'm not, we don't have to get into all that, but I am curious. Like I know some people have wondered if, if this might be some kind of lead into Dr. Strange, uh, since that is so multiverse focused, since Loki has gotten us there. And since this is, basically all about different timelines and different choices folks could have made it. I I think either way, if it does, that would be kind of fun. If it doesn't, I think what it's doing is kind of fun on its own. And and we might've said this at the very beginning of the season, but this is drawing on a a long history uh, of Marvel comics called what if that, that are always super, super fun. The same thing. They don't add to the general continuity. That's the whole point. Um, but it's always, and I even saw a couple things in the trailer. Folks that have read some of those more famous ones will recognize some, I don't know if you want to call them Easter eggs or if they're actually going to be kind of main plots, but one of the more famous issues of what if features Spider-Man wearing the cape. And I don't know if you saw, you know, even in the poster that came out yesterday, for what if there's a little shot of of it looks like the MCU Spider-Man costume, but then he's got the like Doctor Strange cloak of levitation on. Uh, so I, they're clearly sort of mining that stuff in a in a fun way that I think will be especially fun for comics fans, but I think will still be a good time for for anyone that enjoys the MCU. 
Yeah, and judging from our social media at the FFW podcast and our Slack channel, it seems like a lot of you guys out there are really pumped about it. So yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. It'll be fun. So just to kind of add to the craziness of the week, just to recap, we've already covered a little bit of Black Widow on this. Now we've covered a little bit of What If on this. And now we still need to quick shift focus back to Loki Yep. because we talked to Kate Heron. So before you hear from her, we actually had a couple tiny leftovers about episode five, right? Before we dive in real quick. Yes. Okay, so my Loki leftover is actually a half leftover because it's things we mentioned, but I just wanted to reiterate some of the things I loved. We brought up Natalie Holt's score and mm-hmm. we brought up Richard Grant's performance, but I think I maybe undersold how much of a factor those were in enjoying last week's episode. Same because I did say the score stuff and it was so fun. But if you go back and listen now, it's really good, mm-hmm. especially the epic conclusion part and I'll need to look up what that track is called when once it releases. Right. But that was so good, so epic. I loved the addition of the choir. Again, like I said, but just putting more emphasis on that. Mm-hmm. And then I loved Richard Grant in this. He was my favorite of all the Lokis, maybe besides Tom Hiddleston, but of the, of the other Lokis. Right. And yeah, I was surprised as we talk about with Kate in a second here, how emotional I could feel at his ending when we've hardly seen him on screen. And that kind of comes back to that thing we've said before, where it's not necessarily always a screen time thing to make you connected with somebody. Like we say with Frigga a lot. Yeah. Yeah. She's hardly on camera, but then her death was really moving. Um, And then sometimes there's people that are on camera a ton and you don't feel anything. So props to Kate and Richard Grant for portraying that character in a way that made me feel something with only maybe, you know, 17 minutes of screen time, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I also wanted to say, because I can't remember if we got a chance to really address this. I thought that the visuals in this episode were very cool. Uh, like the stuff around Elioth. And I, we did talk about that final scene with with Asgard. But watching that again, um, that was definitely... I had several folks tell me that they felt like that was one of the more cinematic moments or maybe the most cinematic moment of the Disney Plus era here in terms of feeling like you're watching a Marvel movie. And I think that's I think that's fair. I think that I would probably say that. Uh, in, in general, I think what's just fun is maybe more than any any time since like late WandaVision, I've had so many people reach out to me personally that were just so excited about this episode and about where the show is going. And I think that, that it, it makes it such a fun kind of communal experience because I think a lot of people are, are picking up on not just the fact that it's that it's a good show and that it's a well done show, but people are kind of leaning into the the fun fan stuff where they're kind of picking through Throg and all of these different Easter eggs and enjoying them in a way that I feel like Marvel probably never could have imagined people doing in 2008 when it had the first Iron Man film come out. No doubt. No doubt. It's been a ton of fun. Let me add to that fun. Let me just make your day a little bit better. Here's how I can make it better. (laughs) Listen to 20 minutes of Kate Heron talking about how much she loves the MCU, how much she loves this show Mm -hmm. and how proud of this work she is and grateful for all the people that helped her with it. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Kate Heron is a director extraordinaire, as I say in the intro 
And she has directed some other really notable stuff like sex education. Um, but it was really fun to talk to her about Loki. And so without further ado, here was our chat with Kate Heron. All right, everyone. Today is extra special. Maybe even emergency podcast worthy, Robbie. Just maybe. <laughs> because it's not every day that you are joined by director extraordinaire, the director of Loki, Kate Heron. Kate, welcome to Friends From Work. Woo! Hi, thank fun. you so much. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Mm. Kate, it's it's so fun to have you. We got the chance to speak with, with Michael Waldron um, back at sort of the beginning of the Loki journey here, right? I think between the first and second episode. So it's so fun to be able to talk to you now here, uh, sort of as we're reaching the big conclusion. Um, we were wondering, and, and we sort of talked to Michael about this as well, uh, in that press conference uh, for Loki, you know, you mentioned how hard you fought for this project and how as soon as it was announced, you were really excited to, to be a part of it. We were wondering, you know, what is it about the character of, of Loki or maybe the mm. MCU or Marvel Studios in general that really drew you to this project? I would say that, you know, I love Marvel and like everyone, like it's been really cool watching, you know, Kevin Feige, like build up the universe with all the different films. And I was just following that as a fan and intrigued to see what they were doing. I'd say like my sort of gateway mm. into Marvel was the X-Men cartoon when I was a kid. Like I just <laughs> loved that. I remember like trying to turn mm -hmm. my Barbies into Storm and like it went very badly. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like I, I put bleach yeah. on her hair and I remember it, she was bald <laughs> by the end. And yeah, and I was just like, this is a bad idea. But yeah, but I think for me, like I just... Yeah, I just really enjoyed watching the films. And then Loki is a character that I've just sort like so many people I've just loved, right? Like I think he's had one of the best arcs over the last 10 years and it's mm. been amazing watching him with the time, obviously over a decade, you can take the time and take someone from, you know, a villain to an anti-hero in such a satisfying way, which I think they did. And right. I found out they were making a show about Loki and I was just like, man, I just want to be part of that. And also I need to know where he's gone. <laughs> so I was like, I want to finish. And like, if they don't want me, that's fine. But I just need to find out where he is. So I think for me, that was really key. And yeah, just being intrigued. Because I, I think Tom's performance as well as Loki, you know, it's grounded him in such empathy and wit. And I think that was really mm. interesting to me as well. It's like, you know, because it isn't, the character that we've seen over the last 10 years like this is a diff very different character now so and on a different journey mm -hmm. so I thought just from like a psychological perspective that was really interesting as well like getting to dig into that and seeing will the character be someone familiar to us or will they be a little bit different so yeah mm. so I think that was kind of fun. Fans seem to be really resonating with last week's episode with classic Loki and Richard Grant's performance mm -hmm. I guess my question is how were you guys able to pack that much of an emotional impact into such a small amount of screen time? Can you speak to that a little bit? I think honestly, like the first thing I would say is Richard, because mm. he's a wonderful actor. Mm. He has such a commanding presence. And I think he just, he's so good, right? Like Tom, like he brings just such empathy to the character, you know, like when he tells that story in the palace and he says, you know, I miss my brother. And mm -hmm. I think, that's like something where we're like no <laughs> like it's just it's heartbreaking and I think for me like it's it it kind of falls into the whole identity thing across the show right because our Loki you know he is very broken in the first episode and mm -hmm. I love that there's that story of like 
you know, when Sylvie says to Loki, like, we can do this because we're the same. And and they're surprised by how powerful he is. And I think that's where you really get an idea of, because he is really powerful in the comics. And I think that was really cool, mm -hmm. a chance to really show Loki's power on such a, uh, such a big scale through classic. And just also, I love the fact, like, when we were talking about, like, you know, classic Loki, it was like, you know, acro across the whole team, we're like, well, he has to wear the original outfit. Because I, I think that was cool mm -hmm. to me because, you know, Marvel have a very almost like an in-house kind of look with the costumes, which is like so specifically them. Right. And I think that was the really fun thing with The Void was like, well, these are characters and places and things that shouldn't exist. So how do we show that? And with, you know, classic, it was like, well, let's make him look like, you know, classic. Like he, like how Marvel might have made a movie about Loki, like, I don't know, 40 years ago. <laughs> so so right. I think that, that right. was really fun as well, like getting to show that. But honestly, I'd say the main empathetic thing was, you know, we, we worked very hard on the story to do that. Just Richard, he's just so good. Like, I mean, with Mel and I, yeah. is like one of my favorite films. And yeah, he's just mm. a marvelous actor. So you, you actually transitioned me perfectly in my next question, which is just how much fun has it been to drop all those Easter eggs? I mean, you guys at this point, I mean, <laughs> I know every show is doing that, but at this point, you guys have gone full in with the Thanos copter and the little Thor. Yeah, episode five, especially. Yeah. Was that just so much fun to dive through that comic material and bring that to life? Completely. Like, I mean, all of us had so much fun with Five because, you know, I was working with Dan Delu, who's like VFX supervisor, Marvel heavyweight. Like he did, you mm. know, Infinity War, and Endgame. Mm. And like, and he was oh, pitching wow. loads of amazing stuff. And I was like, yes, that's so cool. And like <laughs> Kevin Wright, um, our executive producer, like he mentioned like the Thanos copter. And I was like, oh my <laughs> God, we have to put that in because that's so funny. Like they would have deleted that. <laughs> of course they would have. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then Throg, I think we were trying to get that in wherever we could. And I knew I had this shot, like, where I wanted to, I suppose you see it more in animation, but I just, I love that, you know, that trope of, like, going from, mm -hmm. you know, the top of the secret lair and through the dirt. I think it's from Futurama is probably where I've seen it the most. But, like, <laughs> uh -huh. but I just was like, uh -huh. oh, I want to do that. But it just felt like an opportunity. Like, we have to put something cool there. And then, yeah, and then we got to put mm. yeah him there. So that was really fun for me. And we recorded Chris for that as well. Like oh. for that yell he does inside, like that. I was wondering that it sounded like Chris. That's amazing. Specifically for that moment, <laughs> so yeah, which is very cool yeah. of him to do that. But yeah, but it was just really fun, I think, in the void, and yeah, and just again, kind of thinking, okay, so yeah, what could we put here that's deleted, and who are these characters? Hmm. Um, so yeah, <laughs> we yeah definitely had a lot of fun, and then across the show obviously within the TVA, like hiding stuff. And yeah, it's just been a lot of fun mm -hmm. seeing fans kind of pick out things and respond to them. Yeah, I, it's it's funny because obviously there have been a lot of really fun comics Easter eggs for folks to really dig into. But I've also loved how much you have sort of recreated certain iconic MCU shots, <laughs> like with the, with the first episode in Iron Man and then the end of episode four with the Avengers. Um, was that that's such a fun idea that we haven't really seen in the other Disney Plus shows? Where did that kind of come from? I'm trying to think now. Like, honestly, I think because I just love homaging stuff. Because, like, we definitely, like, in episode hmm. two, we had like a little nod to seven because, you know, I pulled a lot right, in my right. DP stylistically from that. So we had that bit with the bookcases and the needle drop there. Um, as in the song, sorry. So I think, <laughs> honestly, it just uh -huh. felt appropriate because I think the Iron Man one was really interesting to me because. I spent my, my mind went there because of the, it's a completely different desert, obviously, in Iron Man. But I just was like, oh, this feels like mm -hmm. a cool way to just give a little nod for that. Because I know I get a kick out of it if I was a fan and watching. And yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, then with, 
And our Avengers lineup, again, it just felt like the perfect place to do that because everyone knows that music. And, you know, and I think it was so fun to me because he wasn't actually there all that long ago. People did like the full timeline of our show. So I think that oh, yeah. to me was quite fun. And, you know, Tom could do the same movement. And <laughs> yeah, I just, I just kind of cracked me up. And I love what Natalie did with the music because we thought, oh, it's fun to have the Avenger and then, so Avengers, and then go into this Loki theme. Where it's yeah. More wild and weird. So yeah, it just, I don't know. I think for me, I guess, I guess because I just love, marvel so it just felt like fun to get little nods in where we mm. could like mm-hmm. that but yeah <laughs> one of our favorite things about owen wilson i mean he definitely falls into this category of just likable actors you know that it's mm-hmm. hard to dislike so what's been fun about that casting for me is that he even when he's being rude to loki who's your your favorite character you still kind of pull for him you still kind of like him can you just speak <laughs> to what owen wilson has brought to the character of mobius yeah, I mean, it was so much fun talking to him because I remember that we were all like, oh, he'd be amazing. And I remember they were like, okay, Kate, well, you call him and persuade him and, and see if he wants to do it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like a lot no of pressure. pressure. <laughs> yeah. But I remember calling him and he was just really like what everyone would expect, right? Super mm. smart, super funny. Um, yeah, but he, I remember talking to him about it and like he hadn't seen, like he'd seen some of the films, but I remember that I spoke to him basically about Loki's arc across the MCU, what Loki meant in terms of just MCU, like where it was in its own a bigger timeline. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were on the phone, I think, for like four hours or something <laughs> talking about all this stuff and then just talking through Mobius and how does he fit into the story and what's his tale? So I think that was really key. But the thing that excited me most about Owen was that he said, I want to do something really outside of myself. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting huh. just because, mm. you know, he's an actor that we've seen do so many different roles right like he's done like massive comedies but also like i mean the films that i love wes anderson and you know those films that he wrote Mm. as well i I just thought okay that's really cool just to see him kind of do something that feels a little bit outside of himself and i think people can already see that right Mm -hmm. like even just how he physically looks in the show is so different and Mm -hmm. it was really weird sometimes he'd come to set and he wouldn't have his wig on and he'd have like you know his more traditional blonde hair and Uh i'd be like oh no you look so different it's so weird (laughs) like yeah but um but yeah, but I think honestly, he just brings this warmth and playfulness because on set, you know, like so many of Mobius's lines, like he improvised those, like that bit oh. in episode two, for example, um, you know, the grapes nuts with Tom yeah. and Owen. Oh, like that. let's go. Yeah, which is so funny. And like, and I think I'm trying to remember, like there's loads, I don't want to get it wrong because the writers did an amazing job, but he definitely threw in little Owenisms across mm across it because he's just that kind of actor you know he's very playful and he'll always do what's written but then he'll kind of just you know give a little bit extra as well which is Hmm. always quite fun you talk about him doing something outside of himself i really liked that in episode four when he kind of got aggressive just because we're not used to seeing like aggressive owen and that Mm -hmm. was really fun for me so he's doing it (laughs) yeah i think that's the thing as well and it's like oh this guy like like in episode one when he's like oh i can play the heavy keys too you know it's like, uh-huh. oh, yeah. like and i think that's the cool thing about him as well is that you know when you see loki going into the time theater with him in episode one loki's like well i'm just gonna kill this guy because obviously he tries to <laughs> and yeah, then it's yeah. like no actually i'm actually quite powerful and <laughs> i think that's the fun thing with him is that he's not he's definitely a force to be reckoned with and i think hmm. the fun thing with him and like Tom was finding that kind of warmth and that friendship and mm-hmm. the complications within that. Cause like you said, in episode four, 
he is like is like oh my god he's quite tough and like when he throws him in the loop and yeah mm. but i think that also that's very relatable that if you have a fallout with a friend you know <laughs> like right. i think it's like everyone's like no please please make up and obviously they do in episode five but i think that was like really and, and sorry in the end of episode four but i think that was really fun as well just working with tom and owen in a lot of rehearsal and working out okay what's the dynamic between these two characters mm. it is it's funny that you say that that owen wanted to to do something kind of beyond what he's normally done because in that conversation with natalie she also said that that was kind of the note she got when she first sent in the theme you know like push further and it really seems like you know from our perspective just as fans of the show that everyone kind of bought in to just pushing the boundaries with this one yeah i think i'd always feel like for example, in five, like those weird little, like, like they're called Narbas, because like my mm -hmm. production designer, Kazra, pitched those and we named them after his daughter who was born while we were filming. Oh. And I'm, yeah, and I remember me and Kazra were like, there's no way they're going to let us keep these crazy creatures, <laughs> because <laughs> like they're so crazy. And like Marvel were like, no, they're great. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. But I think that was always the surprise was that I think always it was like this might be too weird now and it, mm. the note we'd always get back is no go weirder so no mm. I think for me that was just really exciting and you know like when I pitched on it I knew I was pitching quite a different like even just look and style to mm -hmm. you know what had come before and Kevin Feige was like no I really love it I think that's really cool so I think already with like the blessing of him being so into like already like my interpretation of it and just mm. I think everyone really like you know he was always pushing the writers like go stranger go weirder and I think it kind of just allowed everyone to kind of okay well there's no sky right so we'll just we'll just see how far we can go mm. with it and yeah. then he'll let us know and he can rein us in <laughs> if we've gone too mm. far but... still have that creative freedom I guess yeah exactly um, one thing I'm always curious about though um is you are slotting something in to a larger narrative when you're creating something for the MCU. Mm -hmm. So I have to imagine it's a very different experience than, than other projects that are maybe within their own kind of isolated universe. Um, I, I know when we were talking to Michael, you know, he said that he, they had in the writer's room all of the kind of Marvel comics involving the multiverse. Um, did you feel like you guys also kind of had to do that with the, with the Marvel films in terms of just making sure that you were not only not contradicting anything that's come before in the continuity but also working with the folks that have things coming down the line like the dr strange team and all those projects like what i guess what does that process look like because it seems like a lot of moving pieces mm -hmm. so i would say like basically every marvel production so they have like a executive producer on the production so ours was kevin wright who was across story i mean he basically i think he he's been on it the longest out of everyone you know because he started in the writers room with michael and the writers and then when michael left to go do doctor strange like kevin you know Wright was on it and he was with me right until i mean me and him were working i think when episode one it hmm. so like he i would say was the real key person in not just beyond like actually you know producing and working on the story uh -huh. Because the thing is, obviously, Marvel are very secretive. So I don't know everything that's going on in every project, but he knows everything. So he would all, he basically would manage that. He would let us know, like, if anything was, you know, tipping into something another project was or, you know, nearing mm. it in that sense. And like, that's, that's very key. So yeah, I mean, we worked very closely together and he was a creative force and really just sort of, it's so interesting. I think that's a sign of a good producer, right? Mm. It's like they create a space in which, 
you feel like the sky's the limit and you have all this creative uh, potential, but you don't feel like you're being restrained in any way. But I think that was really key, but that's definitely how Marvel do it. You know, they're very across mm. everything as a company and yeah, but I know I never felt like they were like, Oh no, you can't do this. Cause it was even in like at five, like we had so much fun, like discussing like, Oh, you know, which Lokis should they meet? Because right. that was definitely in discussion for a long mm. time. Like president wasn't in there till very late in the game. And I huh. think that was always fun because there are so many, I mean, I love the comp, different comic book runs of Loki, but as, as you guys know, I'm sure like there's so much to pull from. Right, <laughs> He's had so right. many different versions. And <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that for us was like, okay, we're working out who should we have in there. And, you know, like classic and kid felt perfect beyond just being kid Loki's like one of the coolest characters, but just, uh-huh. you uh-huh. know, like goes to Christmas past, goes to Christmas future. And just how those characters play into where our Loki is psychologically, you know, like, can I change? Can I not? And I, I think that that was always really fun for us, honestly. I think the thing with Marvel is it, it generally feels like everything's on the table hmm. and then they'll, you know, they'll let you know if there's anything that you can't use. But generally, <laughs> I never felt like, you know, like whispered in my ear, like kind of, <laughs> oh, no, you can't do that. <laughs> so, yeah, I felt like I had a lot of creative freedom. That's so cool. Well, Kate, we are huge fans. Yes. Thank you so much for your time. We cannot wait to see what happens in the finale. And then maybe we'll have to circle around back with you, you know, later once you can talk yeah. about it and uh, that'd be fun. Cool. But thank you so much. This has been a blast for us. No, thank you. Cheers. Thanks, All right. Thank you. <laughs> As we always say, that was so much fun. Thanks to Kate. Thanks to her team. Thanks to Disney for making that happen. This has been a joy. Robbie and I started doing interviews, not knowing where we would go with them. And it's been so fun to already be talking to people like Kate Heron and Michael Waldron and yeah. Natalie Holt and Kelly Thompson. It's just been a really fun week for us. And you know, the one thing that I, I'm just, I'm so grateful for with all these interviews is how much these folks seem to genuinely enjoy the stuff that they're working on. These MCU so projects. True. That's you know, what I like always want. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about that um, as something that, that it seems like Kevin is intentionally building from the top and I think especially now, you know, there are stories from kind of earlier in the MCU with certain directors that maybe clashed or that it didn't really fit the vision. But it seems like now they've really gotten it to where these creators are on every level of the spectrum, going from like our interview with Desmond in Falcon Winter Soldier to Henry Jackman doing the music for Falcon Winter Soldier to talking to Natalie and Michael and Kate here. It's like everyone has this this kind of passion in common. And that just makes it so much more fun for all of us, I think. No doubt. Guys, your continued support means so much to us. So don't forget to follow us on social media, interact with us on there at the FFW podcast. And we have a website where you can really support us. The FFW podcast.com. Check that out. There's some helpful information on there and some other cool things. And as always listening and sharing and reviewing and rating is the best way to support us. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and Let's keep this thing rolling. Like we said, Black Widow review comes out next Monday, and then we have a whole week to start focusing on the Loki finale as well. So it's been a big week. It's only getting bigger, and we'll see you next time on Friends from Loki.